All right, we'll go ahead and get started. Um, if people come in, that's fine. My name is Evie Nagy. I am a staff writer at Fast Company Magazine, uh, focused on most creative people in business. Um, but I worked at Billboard for six years and Rolling Stone, so this is very much my home in the music <laughs> music world. And I'm just going to have each of the panelists. Uh, well, first, let's start. This is uh, thank you for coming to the panel. Wireless audio, the killer app for the Internet of Things, which we will be talking about what that means. I'm going to have each of the panelists introduce themselves briefly and what their work is, and then also say what their first concert was. So uh, I will start Olivia Newton-John at the San Diego Sports Arena in 1981. Very it was wonderful birthday present from my mom. Awesome. <laughs> Gary. Uh, hello, I'm Gary Brotman. I'm the head of product management for uh, the audio segment of a smart media platform that Qualcomm's building called AllPlay. It's effectively a turnkey platform that any uh, audio device manufacturer or content service can participate in. It works cross-brand, cross-platform, cross-OS, and basically allows a manufacturer to create a whole home au- wireless whole home audio system, uh, speakers, audio adapters, AV receivers. Um, I've been in the digital music space since about 99, working for companies like Yahoo and Topspin and Music Match, and have dabbled in all aspects of software, services, a la carte downloads, and Qualcomm is my first hardware foray, but it's an interesting way to bring all things together. My, um, My first concert was Foreigner. Billy Squire opened. I think it was the Foreigner 4 tour. Nice. Hey, guys. My name is Seth Combs. I am um, chief marketing officer and co-founder of a company called Solar Republic. How many of you have heard of Solar Republic? Oh, I love it. I love it. So Solar Republic is a group of music lovers, and we're out to change the world one listener at a time by creating incredible music experiences through our headphones and our speakers. And we're based here on Mission Street between 9th and 10th. And um, Soul Republic's SOL stands for Soundtrack of Life Republic because we believe every great moment has a song that goes with it. And I know you guys can all relate to that. My first concert was shit. It was my, you know, my dad was a, um, my dad was totally into blues. My dad was out of town and they bought, my dad and my mom bought two tickets to go see Johnny Winter. My dad could not make it. So I saw Johnny Winter when I was 15 years old at the Watsonville Strawberry Festival. And it was just mind blowing. I fucking loved it. You know, it was an amazing experience. Well done. Um, I'm Phil Boshua um, from LifeX. Um, we make a connected light bulb. It's got a Wi-Fi chip in it, millions of colors. We were on Kickstarter. Um, we did $1.3 million in six days, and the campaign got a bit too hot, so we uh, capped the pledges. Um, and so now we've um, spent the last 18 months um, getting our product into market, and we've shipped about 110,000 units in the last six months, and... This year's looking good. So um, my first concert, I, I'm not even sure I can remember it, but my my father was uh, the original sound engineer for ACDC, and I do remember being sleeping under the sound desk a few times at some ACDC gigs. So. Yeah. I mean, I can't even compete with that. That's the coolest thing ever. All right. Uh, my name's Ethan Rudin. I'm the Chief Financial Officer at Rhapsody International. We're known as uh, Napster in Europe and in South America. I've um, been in the music business for nine months, so this is all very new to me. 
Uh, prior to that, I ran corporate development, so all the M&A work over at Starbucks uh, for several years. And then prior to that, I spent almost a decade uh, on Wall Street and investment banking. Um, my first concert, like I said, I can't compete with that. Um, I think it was... Uh, yeah, Bruce Bruce Springsteen with my parents. That was my first like with folks concert. So you were the old parents too. Yeah, no. And then my <laughs> the my first one without my parents though was uh, Motley Crue. So yeah. Anyway, pleasure being here. Great, thank you, everybody. Um, so this panel is about how wireless audio is the killer app of the Internet of Things. Uh, so we want to set the stage and just make sure everybody understands what the Internet of Things is. Um, Gary volunteered to give a, <laughs> or I guess I kind of <laughs> forced him to volunteer to give a, a a a brief summary from from sort of your perspective. Well, real quick, show of hands. Does everybody here know what the Internet of Things is? Yes, raise your hand. Okay. And so not every one of you has a different fingerprint, so I think you probably have a different view of what the Internet of Things is. Um, the you know, the Internet of Things is probably it's an app term right now because what you have is a bunch of devices that now have computing power, so they're smart, and they have connectivity so that they can talk to things, other things like themselves, and in some cases, devices and other things that aren't like themselves. Um, and most recently, you now have languages that these things can communicate with. So you really have coffee makers, you have doorbells, light bulbs, speakers, TVs. The entertainment devices that we've been using for probably the past decade, TVs and speakers, um, which is really what this panel is born out of, those are things that we've become very comfortable with. They're, they're low barrier to entry. They're non-threatening. They're not, they don't require a lot of technical proficiency to actually enjoy and, and use. Um, and with these other devices becoming smarter and becoming connected and being able to talk to each other and having conversations, the, the view that we take with Qualcomm is that this segment of music and media is actually a way to get a consumer comfortable with having control of all of their other devices in the home that used to be quite dumb and sit there and do something, one thing, that can now create new experiences and new utilities by way of the connectivity, the, com the computing power, and the operating system or the, um, the, the, the language that they speak. It's a little bit of a roundabout... Um, a little bit of a roundabout answer, but just think about everything being network and creating its own network uh, and being efficient and being able to communicate with each other. Thank you. That's the best I can do on that. That was great. Um, it actually uh, sort of sort of introduced the, the, the next topic that I was going to bring up, which is that um, you know, digital audio has actually, I mean, one of the reasons we're talking about this specifically is that digital audio has led a lot of technological movements from um, converting physical goods to digital goods to file sharing. Music has been at the forefront of a lot of these. And it's also, as you mentioned, at the forefront of the Internet of Things. So uh, why is that? And if anybody wants to, you, you were saying it's a, it's, a, it's a great introductory to all these things. So if you want to go, if anybody wants to go a little bit more into why it is that music is, is kind of the foundational um, area that this brand new uh, huge world we're going to live in is uh, I can speak for a second to you. Hi, I'm Seth. Ken. Um, you know, for us, we believe that there are two universal languages, um, mathematics and music. And music's incredibly common, and it's inherent in everything we do. Bless you, by the way. Um, one of the key things, though, we, we see is, though, is that music is part of us every day. And the more you can have it, 
the more they can be part of your life, the better. And that day and age and that dream we have of those Jetson age or, you know, the, the James Bond days, if you will, where, you know, you walk into a room and you clap your hands and the fire goes on and then, you know, James Brown plays, maybe Marvin Gaye, I don't know. The lights go down. Those days are happening. And I think music is that key, I guess, thread amongst us all that I think all of us share that same ideology. And I think that's part of the reasons it's always at the forefront of technology and what drives us. Yeah, um, totally agree with that, Seth. Um, I think it's uh, it's the glue that holds most cultural media together is music. Mm-hmm. It's in music. It's in movies. It stands on its own. Um, when you go to a concert or a gig, you know you've got sound and lights. Um, there's almost not a creative medium that doesn't include music or sound. Um, so yeah, I think that's why it, it will definitely lead um, this Internet of Things explosion. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? Great. <laughs> I was. I mean, look, music is, uh, you know, the, the sounds of people's feelings. It evokes an emotional connection, and um, you know, people have emotional connections with lots of, uh, I'd say, lesser meaningful things than a piece of music. So, uh, I, I think it's only natural that that uh, music is uh, pushing the forefront of uh, the the Internet of Things, as I become more familiar with that term mm-hmm. as well. <laughs> Great. Um, uh, so we're talking about, you know, we're sort of talking about music, but then it's going to grow and is starting to grow into a much, a much broader, um, a much broader universe of these connected things. Um, so it, if we're just kind of talking about wireless audio entertainment, I wanted to ask each of you what you see as the kind of, uh, maybe 10 years from now, 15 years from now, or maybe sooner, it's kind of hard to tell, dream scenario for your entertainment-connected audio-visual experience. Um, And then what are the steps to get there? Like, what is it going to look like in two years? What is it going to look like in five years? And and how does each of your work um, play into getting to this dream scenario of an absolutely interconnected James Bond Universe. Well, while I like James Bond music, which is why I listen to Soma FM, um, I think I go back in time to think about where I want to be or where we will be in 10 years. And I think about the contextual experience around analog music, specifically vinyl and records, and being able to, I mean, having this tactile experience around music. It wasn't just sound being pumped into your eardrums it's it was the liner notes and it's the the context is the best way to put it and when Fraunhofer let the mp3 codec out of the genie's bottle everybody raced to 96k mp3 and quality became secondary if not tertiary to just hoarding music and having everything you want and all the context was stripped away enter bluetooth and bluetooth perpetuated that and while you've been able to do great things with bluetooth audio technology you still don't get really full rich sound and there are ways to bring metadata and album covers and digital ways back into the experience. They're very limited on your phone with a small screen. And I think that, and we see with the technology advancements with Wi-Fi, again, talking about the different things that are brought to bear in the Internet of Things, quality is coming back. High-resolution audio is coming back. 
Um, we're working on a open source platform called AllJoin, which is really that language for devices to talk to each other so that the metadata, the album art, all the information that really creates more context around that audio, that can be expressed onto an AllJoin-enabled TV. So not only am I able to view stuff on my phone, but I can view it on a large, rich graphical display, or I can have lights like LifeX light bulbs create a mood relative to the genre tags of the music or um, something that the artist might have programmed to create an experience, not just the sound that comes out of the speaker. So a little bit all over the place, but I think there's more to be said for bringing back or more to be had by leveraging the technology to bring more of the context back and hopefully the value back into music where it's been stripped away so that everybody in the ecosystem and the value chain can actually participate in that upside. Love it. I knew you would. Hey, yeah, guys, so, I mean, for um, for us and from the way we look at things, too, especially with the Internet of Things and this adoption curve, what you're talking about, five to ten years, I think it's going to be relatively quick. You know, no one had heard of Nest a couple years ago, right? And then my parents know Nest. Okay, my parents are old. I'm not going to lie to you. You know, they're <laughs> old, and they shouldn't be knowing Nest. They shouldn't be early adopters, but the adoption is on uh, because people understand Wi-Fi. People understand internet. My dad may not know how to maybe use all the apps on his phone, but he does understand how to set up his router now. And they're those key things. And music is just going to continue to push forward with that because we want music all times. And we want the mood set. We want contextual components. So when you get like a utility like the internet too, and you get someone like Gary's group with, with all join, and you get all of a sudden headphones, all of a sudden I can walk in from a run listening to music and yes I run occasionally I see you all judging me um, <laughs> so but you know you get home from a run and you're listening to music and you take your headphones off and then I'm connected on all join all of a sudden speakers start playing and it connects to the music right and the music and the lights start going down and the lights are perfect for what I want and I'm listening to Rhapsody and we're all connected in that way and that future isn't that far off. It's not like Google Glass where you're wearing it and you, you look awkward, you know? This is, this is there. It's part of what we want already. And now we're just making it more seamless. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, again, totally agree with that. I, I think... That, not, that I don't run? Yeah, yeah, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we need to... The interface needs to disappear, I think, eventually. We just... It just should know what we want and when we want it. And our environment should match the way we're feeling. Um, I think we're a little ways off that, but I think we're absolutely heading towards that. And the sooner we get there, the better. Yeah, I, I would just echo that um, one of the interesting things about um, what I'm up to at Rhapsody and my favorite conversation I have is um, when I sit down on a plane and somebody asks me, what do I do for a living? And I tell them that I work for Rhapsody. And the first question uh, you know, I get is, well, what's that? And And... I laugh because it's funny. We're we're the oldest streaming music business in the space, probably the biggest pioneer. Maybe you know, perhaps too early for our time. Um, that that you know, now we're in the second and third wave of it. And and um, but but the the funniest part about the conversation is they they ask what it is. I tell them it's a streaming music service. Um, they say what's that? I ask them what kind of music they like, and you know, I get everything from like Rush to Frank Sinatra. And I pull out my iPhone and I show them that I have the power within three seconds to pull up every single Rush album from the inception of the band straight through to today, every single Frank Sinatra album. And so, the point I'm trying to make is there's a real education process uh, around the first steps and how do you uh, get your content. 
uh, and how do you get your music uh, from the internet? And I think that when people start seeing the cool headphones, and I just introduced my family to the Sono system, which is a total trip. Um, that that you know it's 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 addictive and it's catchy and it 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 forces you to listen to more music and you have more moments of discovery and all of the reasons why we all work in this business and love it so much and it's if we can kind of teach people that joy through perhaps not having the same experiences that we had and going to a record store and the smell of the vinyl and tearing the plastic off but uh, through through the things that kind of evoke that emotional connection in the music and and provide more opportunities for discovery and and uh, you know I think that that's that's the world that, that that I dream of in the future with regards to the music leading the Internet of Things. Great. Um, I wanted to just come back to to Phil for a second and see if you can um, because uh, you know a lot of people here are specifically in the music industry, but you guys make lights. So how is that being integrated into this? Like, what are your what are sort of your um, both musical uh, connections that you're making and then what other uses do you see for what you're doing just because you know it, it's 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 a little different but it's definitely related so yeah um i actually started life out as a electrician and then got pretty bored of that um and then became a full-time professional musician um i play drums some people say that's not a musician but um <laughs> oh, yes. i call it a musical instrument um so I spent probably seven years earning my living playing music um, and I actually think the things I learnt playing music, um, I feel like I've, uh, what I'm doing now is expressing those, those same things just in a different medium um, through lights and the internet of things and connected devices. So I really think the roots of music is really, is, is the start, it's, it's possibly the, the quickest way to express your emotion um, to a, an audience is through music so um, I'm really taking a heavy musical approach to lighting um, so we've got a music visualizer in our app at the moment that the light bulbs will you know mimic you know what they think the the music is saying in lights um, it's version one at the moment um, we're about to le- release version two of the app so it will get a little bit better but we're really going down that journey of uh, expressing yeah music through lighting and will that be um, primarily thinking in sort of concert scenarios, or how do you think it would integrate into the home? Oh, no. It's, um, so our light bulb is, is a domestic product, so okay. you literally take out your light bulb, put it in a LifeX bulb, and you've got color and app control and, and interaction with your music in your home. It's kind of like an iTunes music visualizer, but in your light bulbs and in your lounge room. Great. Um, uh so I wanted to ask a little bit about um, the idea of, I mean, obviously one of the, the, the evolution of digital audio is, is very much the story of, of quality <laughs> and, the, and the evolution of quality. Um, and the discussion is usually around, um, around the data itself um, and then also around the hardware. Uh, but obviously now that we're, we're um, bringing in the idea of interconnectivity and Wi-Fi, that's another... Um, thing that has its own quality issues, um, and so I just wanted to ask each of you what are the what are the different um, sort of quality challenges and what you're doing in your work um, on any of these three, whether it's the, the data, the hardware, or the networks themselves, and sort of how are you approaching the quality issues to make sure that when this all comes together and is a huge part of our 
life, it, it comes to us the way that we would want it to be. Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, the streaming music business has uh, leaps and bounds to conquer in terms of getting the, uh, the, the quality of the recording to be uh, what the artist had intended. I would say that, you know, we discuss more and more uh, options out there for real music fans who want a premium listening experience to be upselling a, you know, lossless, um, you know, music quality. But obviously, only so much of that is within our control. But you know, look, it, it, it's something that's fresh in our mind. It's, it's. Uh, I, I would say one of the interesting phenomenons in our business is that our, our uh, you know, as, as streaming music services become more closely affiliated with carrier partners selling you the phone, and as your your iPhone or whatever device you have becomes uh, analogous to your your Walkman and your remote control for life, um, you know, those folks are incentivized by selling more data packages. And so, quite frankly, the faster that we could be innovative around quality and sound quality, it would be far more attractive to those folks as well, in addition to people who really want, you know, world-class sound quality coming from their devices as we provide it, so... At the risk of being a little controversial here, um, I've observed that uh, with video, quality gets better and better. We go, went from, you know, crap quality VHS to DVD to Blu-ray. Now we're going to 4K. I've seen, observed that music's done almost the opposite. I'm not exactly sure why. Maybe convenience is something that most users... Um, prefer over quality um but i think the ultimate is when they converge you've got the convenience and the quality um and and i think that's yeah at at the risk of being controversial as well i think when people are trained that music is something that's free uh you know they they care less about the quality because they 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 get it it's free and so they don't really care about it and those those aren't necessarily the the fans that you know, we're interested in is, you know, we've drawn a line in the sand a very long time ago in that we are not here to teach people that music is something that's free. So when we talk about quality, we take it very seriously. But I would say there's a lot out there, uh, both on the consumer side and on the distributor side that don't necessarily share your attitude because they just want to get music away for free and devalue it as a currency, period. So it's a great point, though, because it has gone exactly the inverse. Yeah, um, to echo your point too. Yeah, we went from what LP to eight track to cassette to CD, and then back down again. I am old, but um, mini discs. Damn it, bringing it back. (laughs) Jesus, there it is. Um, And you know, it was an incredible time and turn. And what happened, you know, with us? I was part of the team that helped launch Beats by Dre as well. And um, when we launched it, one of the big reasons we launched it was we wanted to bring sound back. Because I grew up, I grew up in, um, I grew up in a family and like a household. My dad had big ass speakers, and we used to blast music. I mean, it was nonstop. It was blues. It was Fleetwood Mac, Rumors. It was Pink Floyd. It was all of that consistently blasting, and um, we wanted to bring sound back in that way. And it was people went, you know, people went into this that convenience factor, and I think that was it. And people have been taught have kind of missed out. I think there's generations that have just missed out on how good sound can actually be. You know, with Soul Republic, our goal was how do we bring great sound to the masses? So we built all of our headphones from scratch and we're like, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. And then we finally made wireless headphones, but we realized we didn't have the best technology. So we partnered with Motorola to go, how do we get the best technology here? How do we make this work? You know, we, we got Bluetooth to work 150 feet. I mean, most of you guys know this. If you have a Bluetooth speaker or headphones, it 
If it works five feet, you're happy. You know, people do this with Bluetooth headphones. You know, but it's pushing the boundaries now and trying to, I guess, re-educate the new generations too of that aspect of sound quality because, you know, engineers and everything, you, you quick, you turn and burn now and you create music and you just send it out with convenience like you mentioned before. I think, I think Phil had a very good point about the fact that it's easier to f- determine that something's higher quality in video than audio and that there's, it's very subjective and um, have, being a retired club and rave DJ, I can tell you my eardrums are blown beyond any recognition. I cannot tell the difference between a lossless file and a 320k MP3. Um, well, maybe I could, but I haven't. I doubt it would be that easy. Um, I think it starts with content, and today there may be songs out there or files out there that profess to be 192, 24 kilohertz, uh, or um, 192, 24-bit. Um, reproductions of the original, something off of the board, something that's close to the master, when in fact they're really just a rip off of a CD. Um, the labels are just now getting to the point where they're opening up the catalog to sell truly lossless from the source content. So it starts with the content. The second piece is the infrastructure. Uh, it's probably only within the past couple of years that you are able to decode songs that have been encoded in. 192, 24, FLAC, or Apple Lossless, or Wave. Um, services like Rhapsody that are doing AAC+, but others like uh, WIMP out of Norway, or Cobuzz out of France, who are actually doing FLAC, high-resolution FLAC streaming um, over a Wi-Fi network, over a wired network. Those are all the different factors that come into play, but I'll go back to the other piece, especially as it relates to the consumer's ability or inability to discern between a high-resolution file and something that's higher quality. And that is there needs to be more than just the signal file. There needs to be the context. It needs to be more than just that file that's taking up space on your hard drive that you're pulling down from the cloud. That adds more quality. So I think it's not just about the audio quality. It's about the experiential quality as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to add ask a little if, if you have any thoughts on the um, on the actual the the Wi-Fi part of this um, literally five minutes before we walked in here I got this an angry text from my husband that he's going to switch cable companies because ours has been <laughs> fall you know our Wi-Fi has been falling off constantly and I feel like that um, at this point while uh, Wi-Fi is clearly you know there's there's lots of consistency there um, how does that play into to this at all and and sort of on on that side of it the internet side of it the network side of it um is that an obstacle to any of the work that you're doing in order to connect all of these things Um, i mean we our whole company company's uh, product is based on wi-fi so um i'm hoping it gets better We, we, you know, the things, you know, we're working with Qualcomm, um, who, you know, obviously one of the world's leaders in Wi-Fi, and um, it looks like it's going to get better, so we're just uh, counting down the days. But, <laughs> yeah, I, I do think it's the future. Um, there'll be, you know, a few variations of Wi-Fi coming out, but, yeah, that, they'll get it right, I think. Yeah. I, I think Wi-Fi is, is certainly far more pervasive in, in the home at least in the United States, you find more things and obstacles in Europe where you have houses that are 400 years old and they're made of 18-inch thick brick walls where you can't get Wi-Fi to go through anything. 
um, where you have a wired environment, it doesn't necessarily impede the quality if you're doing it wired, but um, Wi-Fi is becoming much more pervasive. I think consumers, by and large, don't view Wi-Fi as being an audio-specific or a media-specific protocol. They probably look at Bluetooth as being closer to media. Um, we're looking at trying to help people understand that it's just a, it's another way to get your content the way you want, and it's far more reliable. The pipe is fatter. You get the higher quality. Um, and just a simple point that you made about your grandmother setting up a Wi-Fi router, it's certainly much easier these days than it used to be five years ago to set up a router. Um, there are certainly instances where you're not getting full coverage in the home, and I think when you start to introduce things like music or media that are dependent on total coverage, where I've grown accustomed to maybe getting a web page load slowly in the back corner of my office or email doesn't come down as fast, that's just a minor inconvenience. But when it comes to music, that's going to be far more noticeable. And it may actually hasten the adoption of better devices or um, more peripheral devices that help improve the overall network. Uh, but I think Wi-Fi has certainly made a huge move in the past five years, and it certainly has no sign of stopping, not just for the home, but as a replacement for Bluetooth and speakers that are in these headphones. Uh, new generations of Wi-Fi that will be low power, higher range, where you can get longer battery life. It's a far better pipe than what's out there in Bluetooth. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for us, too... Um you know, our company, we, we haven't, the, the Wi-Fi headphone hasn't, you know, made mass adoption yet, but we want to get there, too. For us, it's pushing forward with that because we need to create, for us, headphone is the music accessory. It's how you experience music, and we want to get to a point where we can connect with everything, everything including you guys, right? Headphone to coffee maker? Sure, right. why not? <laughs> I love that Coffee's idea. done. <laughs> it tells you. When yeah. you're in the other room, yeah. That's exactly right. Yep. Um, uh, okay, so the the timing of this panel is actually good, uh, fortuitous in the sense that there was a, um, just I think last week, last Friday, uh, Pew put out a report on the Internet of Things, and they interviewed 1,600 different experts in, in a whole bunch of different tech-related fields about about where this is going and... and um, you know what it will look like, and and the the consensus basically was that it will by 2025, it will thrive. It will be sort of how as as pervasive in our life as the internet is now, and at a new level, um, it's potentially taking over just just all corners of of life, as we're saying. Your coffee maker tells your headphones um, that it's ready. Um, and so they, they talked about both the, the excitement and the optimism as to what the, the benefits of this would be, and a lot of them pointed to um, efficiency and a lot of reduction of waste, a lot of new opportunities um, in a lot of different fields, including healthcare, things like that. Um, but then there obviously there were a lot of concerns, too, around issues like security and privacy if, if everything is, is connected, um, you know, that obviously presents some challenges, um, even they, you know, acknowledging that, that some of these networks are closed, but not all of them. Um, and, uh, and then also things like the potential of you know, just technological failure and what the, the ramifications would be if something that's connected to everything fails, and, and are we going to be equipped to fix it in the way that needs to be fixed. So um, I, I just wanted to ask each of you about um, 
about these security and privacy questions in particular, because I think that's probably, if you were to ask anyone, if you were to explain to, to some random person on the street what the Internet of Things is, that would probably be the first thing, first concern that would come in, into their head, I would think. Um, and either what you're doing in your, you know, whether you think these concerns are valid and what you're doing in your own work um, to either address it or uh, prepare for it, um, et cetera. No show of hands on who's going to touch yeah. that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, there, there are a couple of things. And when we approach it at Qualcomm with all play, as an example, we the way our platform works is we can allow, or, or a manufacturer that takes our technology can provide the, a wireless speaker that is all play enabled that will allow me as a consumer or owner of that speaker to allow a, somebody to come into my house and stream directly to the speaker or many speakers using Wi-Fi without having to sign on to the network. So that's one way of I can protect my world or my proximal network and not allow somebody to potentially go spelunking and across my entire network and my computer and everything else. While it's very difficult to do, people still have those concerns. I, I think the, the Internet of Things it does present a number of challenges, both in the, in the intranet or proximal sense, but more importantly, I think there are a lot of concerns about how you share data with the cloud. And if your devices are all connected to the cloud, who's actually got access to that data in the cloud? Like, do I want my phone to have to make a round trip out to the cloud and come back to open my door lock? I should just be able to stream or open the door lock directly without there being any recognition that there's a cloud component at all. Um, but as a user, I want to have complete control over the settings, where the data resides, where the locus of control is for that uh, authentication. Um, I think there's still a ways to go in terms of finding standardization around that, but um, there's, there's certainly progress being made. I don't know if that's a perfect answer, but there's progress. Yeah, um, yeah we're also um, using all join. Um, in our lights um, in the next sort of major hardware revision. Um, yeah, I, I totally um, believe that's the, the way to go. You want basically land control and then choose what you send up to the cloud and that should just be for, you know, features that the user decides are important enough to potentially risk a security issue. Um, but it, you give the user the choice and I think Qualcomm's support of that concept um, and philosophy is, uh, is, should be, you know, admired yeah I'd, I'd, I'd probably be speaking out of school here given that we sell what comes out of the things of the internet um, so while um, I'd like to comment extensively on it I, I mean we, we collect people's listening histories credit card information so as you could well imagine just given what I do for a living there uh, I take that as serious as a heart attack and Obviously, anybody that we enter into partnerships with, and we think about these sorts of things, what you know, how how are we putting ourselves at risk? And we, you know, obviously have the highest standards when it comes to selecting partners as to uh, who's going to be streaming our stuff, just kind of interconnected on their device. You know, that 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 said, one of my concerns is um, for things like music and 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 things that are kind of out there to spread joy. Uh, you know, less fear. Uh, but I was looking at a company the other day. I was talking to a friend who uh, founded a company that puts uh, chips in beer taps. And so imagine if you're at a bar and because of the Internet of Things, you know, in the middle of having your drink and socializing with your friends, all of a sudden you're getting your, 
your cell phone blowing up because you know Bud's on special two for three bucks because some beer taps like hitting you up and and so I don't know my concerns are less around people doing the the right thing to protect everybody's identity privacy and interests and more like what are you really taking the time to interrupt uh, I just think some things still kind of have to be sacred but I suppose I'm probably just old <laughs> why is this well, I have my moments who else? All right. Um, uh, so we were. One of the things that that comes into play here is has to do with proprietary technology because, um, in order for this uh, for this connected world to really work, everything needs to talk to each other. But you know the the instinct I think, especially for for new companies, is to sort of hold everything close to the vest and have their own uh, not not open things up as much. And and certainly you know. Technological empires have been built on on letting devices only talk to the other ones made by that same company. So, um, how are you know what what do you think is the importance of uh, of opening things up and how are we how are we going to get there and how will we do it so that people you know uh, everyone benefits in a way. Well, interoperability is paramount. Um, there should not be any um, shouldn't be anything brand specific there shouldn't be anything uh, OS specific platform specific it really needs to be something that wins is going to be pervasive from a communication standpoint from a protocol standpoint um, and with all play we are cross platform iOS Android we are Fi agnostic you can do Wi-Fi power line Ethernet uh, any manufacturer can take advantage of the, the platform and all those devices will work together. As a consumer, I don't buy the same brand when it comes to my entertainment products. There are specific speakers that I like. There are specific AV receivers. There are specific televisions. But they should all communicate seamlessly together. Um, the all-join framework that we're, we've also developed and seeded to the open source community is really that connective tissue that will work across any device, a television, a coffee maker, a doorbell, a light bulb, all speaking the same language. And if you're stuck in silos like UPnP or Bonjour and AirPlay and Zigbee and Z-Wave and all these different protocols that work in their little vertical, it's going to take longer for the, the promise of the Internet of Things, what we call the Internet of Everything, instead of a bunch of disparate things with IP addresses. Um, it's the interoperability that will really make it succeed. Yeah, I think, um, you know, that standardized protocol, guys, if we want to actually get anywhere with this, we need it. You know, that's not the idea of, um, you know, taking off of headphones or headphones talking to coffee makers or light bulbs that move, you know, with the music. All of that depends upon that. And so, I mean, if we want to see adoption actually occur, we need a unified vision amongst all companies, you know not to hold their brands as badges, but to look at what's for the good of the music fan, what's for the good of basically humanity. Yeah, um, I mean, I had a small comment on that. I mean, didn't we learn from a f Macromedia Flash or Adobe Flash? Like, you know, let's not do that again. That was horrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not to belabor it, but, you know, 80, I think it's 60, 60 plus percent of our users use our service on a mobile device and, it's only because of the, uh, uh, you know, the, 
the lack of that attitude these days that that facilitates that. And look, we're you, know, you can you can you can pick up Rhapsody on over three hundred plus um, types of you know smart televisions, headphones, and so we you know we vote by just trying to be everywhere. So. Um, all right, I think we can open it up to questions now if if there are some. And I think somebody has a microphone, so um, great. Okay, right here in the gray, or sorry, checked. It's hard to tell from here. Shirt. Sure. <laughs> stripes. Stripes. Hello, Nathan from Sound Design Live. You guys keep all referencing all play, but maybe it would be helpful for people like me that don't really know what it is to talk a little bit about its application, um, a specific example maybe of how people are using it. And maybe you could compare it to the stuff that uh, Wireless Speaker Alliance is doing because it sounds similar. Sure. So um, all play is a turnkey hardware software solution, if you will. It's a Wi-Fi module. has the firmware you need to be able to stream content from one song to many speakers or many songs to many speakers. Uh, we have a tool set that you can that an app developer, media player, or content service can integrate into their iOS and Android application to allow that app to stream natively to one or many all-play speakers in the home. So this idea of party mode in the content services app, it's all possible. Um, and as again, it's open to anybody, that any manufacturer that wants to um, get into the wireless speaker or wireless audio market from a hardware standpoint and the content services for that matter. I mean, uh, Soma FM, Rusty's outfit has integrated the SDK, Rhapsody, iHeartRadio, uh, Payo out of Germany, uh, and there's a handful of others that are coming. Um, but if you, want to, if you are a manufacturer and you want to get into building wireless technology or wireless speakers, it's actually a, an interoperable open platform to take advantage of. The underlying, the under the foundation of it um, is all join, which is the connective tissue I was talking about, which Qualcomm had created about three years ago, and is now being administered by an alliance that the Linux Foundation is is uh, I don't know what governing, but they're basically the administrators of this. There's 50 companies from the white goods and CE space. Anybody from Technicolor to Panasonic, um, variety of companies that are looking to embrace all join and advance that protocol so that you actually do get that interoperability, whether it's content, hardware devices, uh, infrastructure. Um, I, could, we, I can provide you some more technical bits if you're actually interested in learning more about all join, but you can go to alljoin.org or you can go to um, qualcom.com forward slash all play to get more on all play. This is Eric from Bay Area Metro Radio. Um, I guess I have two questions. The first one is, I think you did mention, so Aldrin basically is the framework for uh, Internet of Things, particularly for audio. So how does it com complement with all these other open source Internet of Things protocol? You, you can clarify that. Actually, Aldrin is not audio specific it, we get, we're applying it so Qualcomm typically doesn't do solutions this is one of the this is one of a unique situation where Qualcomm's building a full solution but all join is designed to really be for lack of a better term at this base level or placement for UPnP service advertisement discovery and on top of that there are a variety of services that will allow a 
a speaker to send metadata to a TV or for the speaker to talk to the light bulb to have the light bulb do things based on the profile of the, the sending device. Um, but it's definitely not media specific. We just we look at at a higher level, we look at media as kind of this and music specifically as this entryway for a consumer to get their feet wet so that when it comes time to learn about the other devices that may be more threatening, like what am I going to do with this washer dryer and how do I have it talk to me and program it or whatever, they've gotten used to this flexibility and ease of, uh, and the, um, I guess the ease of which they can control the audio device in the house, maybe they'll move on to the others. Okay, um, maybe if I may, the second question is, I know this is not going to happen soon, but, well, because the Wi-Fi bandwidth is going to grow and I think we got tons of bandwidth to handle all the you know, in-house traffic. But let's say if I'm listening to a flag file for my home entertainment for myself and then my daughter is starting to listen to her iPad and you know, all these you know, traffic is going on, do you foresee sometime in the future that we have some type of like, like a QoS you know, type of uh, governance that we need within the home itself so that like, I have high priority to listen to my you know, high, hi-fi audio than my daughter playing with her like, PlayStation? <laughs> yes. Yes. The answer is yes. And there are cost-based technologies out there that sit at the gateway that can let you say, okay, well, this is YouTube traffic or this is BitTorrent traffic or... Yeah, so we actually have something like that too, but definitely needed the more media that's being pumped through the ha- pumped through the house. Yeah. Uh, this is a question for Phil, I guess. Uh, as an app developer in the music world, how do I make my app talk talk to your light bulbs? Um, and can I? You, you definitely can. Um, as of about a month ago, we released, released our open API. So you can literally go to our website and download it and make games, music, and anything, apps, talk to our light bulbs. Black and then back. Sorry, could I quickly just add to that? Um in the next hardware revision, I vaguely mentioned it before, we'll be using the all join protocol by default in our light bulb, so we're our API as well, and all join. So you could basically talk either, either one. So for music across all these things, do you see it just as playback? So for headphones, for light bulbs, is it just, you know, is it just flashing lights, or do you see control of your music coming into play here? And, and interfaces, you know, whether it's a microphone or other aspects to engage with the music through these devices. Um, we saw one developer um, do something when he turned his light bulb light switch on through his app, and the LifeX bulb came on. That his radio or music started on his computer. So I do think it'll go both ways. Uh, you know, the natural stance is to you know think that the music is the uh, the trigger, but yeah, no, it'll it'll happen both ways for sure. You mean actually manipulating music in different ways, right? Yeah, letting these devices be smart about the music, learn about the music, have a role in the music more than just being an output, if you will. Right. You had an interesting take on that. that, You were talking about that earlier, Uh, about the the idea of follow me audio. And your environment is actually something that helps create that mood or create that soundtrack, if you will. Like when you enter a room at a specific time of day or the weather is a certain 
you know, if it's raining or if the sun's shining, there's enough computing power in some of these devices and the intelligence to actually create the experience you're looking for without me as a consumer having to explicitly say, I want to hear this. Yeah, for us, it's contextual, just to, to reiterate what he said. You know, it's, it really is contextual, and it's that key component. But I think there's a lot of interactivity that's going to happen just from um, more adoption, right? Because you're going to see more software platforms and things of that nature adopt to it as well. So why can't I have, while I'm creating music like on Ableton Live or something of that nature, why can't it interact with everything I'm doing as well? Um, it sounds to me like you're, you're talking about devices talking to other devices and your output on a local area network, and yet Rhapsody and other things are coming over the Internet. When I started out this morning, I sat in this room with Rusty and, and listened to uh, net neutrality. So if you're getting more devices talking to more devices and we've got people trying to choke the bandwidth, how, how's that going to affect what's going to happen with the Internet of Things? Well, there's the, there is the external, like talking to the cloud, talking to a streaming service, but then there's the, the proximal network. It's the devices in your home that really are just constrained by the bandwidth of your network. There's no external factors that, uh, other than the content you're streaming into the house that would play into, play into that. So if you're streaming local content from a handset or a computer to a speaker or to many speakers, you really are just constrained by the the pipe that you have in the infrastructure of the home. When you start to bring stuff from the outside, I think that's when it gets a little bit more, a little bit more dicey. But I, I, was there something that you were looking for in terms of the discussion around net neutrality and how that would impact the? Uh, it, just, it just occurred to me about you know you're, you're, you're talking about bringing things in from the internet as well as the, the local no, no, I was thinking about that earlier. Well, the more data, the more saturated it'll get. The pipe will fill up. And there are different ways that you can uh, – there's only so much space that you have coming into the home and then what you have available in the home to move stuff around. And there are ways that you can augment your router by putting range extenders and repeaters in different parts of the house to expand that signal or use different bands of Wi-Fi or – well, let me follow up with uh, Rhapsody. I guess is Europe and South Africa. Europe, Europe, Europe. South America, South America, and, and, and here. Uh, well, do, you have Naps, I, do you have Napster as well? In the Napster, EU, Napster is in Europe, and right. Napster's in uh, South America, and domestically we're known as Rhapsody. We're in we're in thirty three countries. If I heard correctly this morning, uh, net neutrality has been solved to some degree in Europe, but not here, where they're still working on it. So how? How, how would that affect you coming into this country here? If, well, if we're, we're in, I guess we're in this country. I, I, I don't really understand the question, I suppose. <laughs> um, up here at the front. Hello. So... Uh, for me, my case scenario is I, for example, have an iPhone and I stream t uh, through AirPlay to my speakers that are somewhere in the house that fill up this, uh, the living room with sound wirelessly. I have an Apple TV that's connected to a projector that's also playing into the, um, to the wireless speakers as well. So it's nice not to have wires stretched. Um, I guess what I'm wondering is what other products are available out there that will 
make me do more cool things within the house. Not necessarily what will happen like a year from now, but like what's what's available right now. What can I buy? You should pick up some lights. <laughs> You're gonna, uh, there's a gramophone. How would I integrate those lights into the system right now? Uh, yeah, well, so through the app, um, you can be playing your music, and if you've got your app open, uh, the microphone's active, and it'll listen to what's going on, and the lights will mimic um, what's happening with the sound in your environment. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we've got an API out, so there are some crazy developers getting pretty creative. Um, another adaption that we've seen just start to come out is if you're playing media from your device, um, the LifeX light bulbs can average the colour of your movie. So if you're, you know, you're watching Indiana Jones or something and there's a dark green jungle, then your lights will turn green and if there's an explosion, your lights will sort of pop and go red or white or something. So, yeah, there's, there's lots of cool things that will start happening with it, all this connected... Uh, it actually detects pixels on the screen and says okay there's this this is the general color of the movie and that's the, the lights need to reflect it yeah yeah that's um yeah there's some developers that are working hard on that and we expect to see something come out pretty soon along those lines that, that's it anything else that uh, you know other than other than light <laughs> uh, other than light uh, enhancement I'm, I'm wondering if is there other cool stuff that's out there what? yeah if you're if you're looking for audio I mean they're different there's different implementations of DLNA that people have tried. Different brands have tried to use DLNA to do what AirPlay does. Um, the first AllPlay products will actually hit next month and throughout the summer and most of them will really be present at retail by September. But speakers from Panasonic, Altec Lansing, um, Alex, the guy who was supposed to be on this panel, um, is with a company called Phone, which positions themselves as the largest global Wi-Fi network. They have these Adapters, these Wi-Fi routers that people have in their home to provide public Wi-Fi, and they just introduced a product on Kickstarter called the Gramophone that is um, a combination of Wi-Fi connectivity as a utility, something that is a need for consumers, and they've meshed it with a very interesting social music experience with um, Wawa Networks and Spotify. Um, that'll be coming out sometime in July, and all play will be in it towards the end of the summer. Um, you know, AirPlay is still around. AirPlay, while the, you can stream something to an AirPlay or Apple TV or an AirPlay speaker, the phone is always in the middle, right? You're you're getting stuff from Pandora and it's coming down through the phone and goes to the speaker. And when you turn that phone off or take it off the network, everything is over. Um, AllPlay and some other technologies actually use the phone as it's just a controller. Content goes directly from the cloud to the speaker. The phone is just there as a intermediary can be taken off the network turned off and the music still plays and doesn't kill the battery as fast but there's nothing there's nothing I can point you to right now that is nirvana yet but over this throughout the balance of this year and by the holiday you'll see quite a few devices out there that'll give you a much better experience than what you see with airplay cross platform and there there are as we were talking about earlier a number of uh, products that turn will turn any speaker into Wi-Fi speakers. So if you have a whole stereo system, you know, you can just plug in an you adapter. Just plug it into the adapter and it will it will pick up your music or um, whatever from your yeah, like from your Express. devices. Yeah. Cool. Okay. We have a couple minutes. Thanks. 
I'm curious about uh, performance related as, as far as latency. So if you press play, typically there's a buffering period before the audio starts coming out uh, with the existing solutions out there. Or if you're sending from one source to uh, left and right speakers or surround speakers, they might buffer by different amounts. I'm wondering if there's anything specific in the all-play technology that, uh, that minimizes that buffering or allows multiple speakers to play uh, at exactly the same time. Yes. <laughs> can, you, can you talk about what, I, I can, what uh, we publicly in, in what talked area? Well, we've talk, publicly talked about. I mean, latency is latency from source to sync is you know, sub-second, but we're not trying to... Yeah, but it's, not, not, it's not ultra-low latency. It's, so you can't, like, say, play a DJ controller or a keyboard it would be difficult. or It would be difficult yeah. for that use case, yes. Yeah. It's a, initially, we're designed to be... It's whole home audio, so you're dealing with different zones in different rooms, and you're not looking at in-room, multi-channel where the latency is noticeable. But when you talk about the skew between speakers, right. it's in the milliseconds. Single digit. It is. Okay. Yeah. Probably time for one or two more. Yeah. Uh, this one's for uh, Seth. Are you guys looking into doing anything by, like putting sensors into your headphones to do like, you know, say like an accelerometer to like you know do like track your running i mean not that you run or anything or to do things like uh, like you know a gyro to see like you know when you're hey, it's you know, true oh, i already I said that i'm built for comfort not for speed <laughs> rusty's with me here come on we're family mean, like, you know like what about you know things like sensors like oh he's leaning back with his thing. headphones as opposed to like being up like this and then using those sensors to give feedback to apps to you know change your playlist like, oh, you know, I was sitting on the couch, you know, listening to some music, and I fell asleep, and I want to put on some super ambient music instead of something with beats in it. Absolutely. No, we're, um, look, we're always looking at new technologies and what's next. And, you know, the headphone, the in-ear headphone is the only invasive device we put voluntarily in our, body, voluntarily in our bodies on a daily basis. So we're definitely looking to see what's next with what we can do with it because we absolutely see the potential for music because music makes you feel, and we need to understand what that feeling is. Uh, let's have one more if there is one more. Anybody? If not, you can get a beer a minute and a half early. Yes. All right, let's, I think there's votes for that. So thank you, everybody, Thanks, guys. so much for coming. Very good. Mr. Hewitt. Yeah, yeah. Good to see you. I know.